Hendricks. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Good, good, good. We, uh, we're excited to worship together this morning. And it seems a little darker in here than normal. Is that true? It's brighter up it's, here. Maybe it's just brighter up here. Well, here's something that someone shared this week. And I thought it was really, really good. And I just want us to have this as our focus of worship this morning. And it was this. She wrote this on, on social media. And I don't want, look at social media, but... Uh, sometimes Liz will, and she shared this with me. It said this, don't doubt in the darkness what he told you in the light. Don't doubt in the darkness what he told you in the light. And I really believe this morning that we are going to be reminded of some things this morning that the Lord has spoken to you. You will be reminded of some things that he told you in the light, and that for some reason you have begun to doubt for some reason, I'm included in this message here this morning, that we begin to doubt, we look around at the wind and the waves and the situations and the circumstances and we say, well, I, maybe God didn't really mean it that way. Maybe God didn't really expect that or maybe that's not really what he meant, he meant something different. I'll tell you, God means what he says. He means what he says. Yes, there are dreams and interpretations of dreams and not everything means the literal meaning of everything. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is he means what he says, and when he says something to you in the light, don't let your doubtness in the dark begin to affect what he has told you in the light. Amen? Amen. Oh, this is so good. And I, I want to run down and get my phone and read this thing that I wrote this week. Um, so what this is about is about truths. Oh. And I had written this thing about, um, about these flags planted on the surface of my heart which is also often like this ashy kind of place. It feels like it's a little bit barren, um, or, or it has been. And throughout my life has been this journey, but I plant these flags of truth. And once planted, they are immovable. They do not move. No. And the one right now that I had written about, and about how I can see my hands gripping, white-knuckled, holding on to it as the darkness comes all around me, not letting go, is God is working. Amen. That is a truth that I will not let go of. Amen. Whatever happens, Amen. whatever happens, I declare and I believe that Amen. God is working Amen. in my life. Amen. And Amen. that's what you're talking about, is just holding on to truth. Amen. No matter what happens around us, no matter what's happening in us, mm. there are truths that about him that do not change. Amen. And I'm excited this morning to, to just be in his presence Amen. and to be reminded Amen. and to uh, glory in who he is, Amen. the unchangeable one. Amen. Amen. Well, stand with me. We're going to do a call to worship together. This is going to be out of Psalm 57. We're going to read three verses. We're going to say this all together as one on the count of three. One, two, three. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. For your mercy reaches unto the heavens and your truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Father, we worship you this morning. We thank you for your presence. And we enter with a posture not just of receiving, but a posture of worship. Our eyes focused on you, our heads lifted up, our arms open, ready to worship you with our whole heart. 
and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. Savior. He saves in real time. He's in our now. He was in our yesterday. He's in our tomorrow. He saves us in real time. Not someday. Not when we get our act together. Not when we quit smoking when we give up drinking, when we're nicer to our kids or kinder to our coworkers. He is our friend, our savior, and our father in real time. I don't disown my children from minute to minute. I don't put heavy burdens on them from minute to minute, making them earn all the goodness I have for them and all. I have so much goodness for them. I've got more money than they really know about. (laughs) And it really is all for them. I can make food, oh, that will just thrill them. I can do things they can't do for themselves. And it's all for them. And I don't make them grovel. I don't make them earn it. I don't withhold it when they're mean to one another when they're mouthy back to us. He is our father in real time. That's right. That's right. The battle, the battles are every day. The battles for a good marriage. Battles to love one another. Battle to be quiet when I need to be quiet. And for you to speak up when you need to speak up. The battles of parenting are for real. Battles of paying bills. But church, this is what I want you to know. That that's where we're fighting. That's where we're feeling it. That's, in, that's the real time we're walking it out. But what the enemy is after is what you believe. If he can get you to believe wrong, he can steal everything from you. If he can get you to believe that God is distant, then he's got you on the hook. If he can get you to believe that you're not good enough, that you haven't performed well enough for God's love, then he's got you on the hook. So what's the truth? Is it what I speak today? You're just going to believe me? Don't. Well, I mean, you should, but don't. We believe the word of God because the word of God is true. It's unreasonably true. I mean, it's unreasonable. The book is full of unreasonable things. I mean, there's just bits and pieces in there that I don't really like to talk about. We don't like to talk about too much. There's unreasonable stuff in there. But the most unreasonable thing is that he should love us first. That he should give so fully of himself when he does. What's the upside for him? We are. Just love. Right. That's the most unreasonable bit. God just wants to minister today. He just wants to minister today. 
he wants you to, to know what are you believing. I'm going to read this because I feel like I'm supposed to. I feel like it's going to minister. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. It says, sometimes I view my heart like the surface of Mars. There are holes and craters everywhere, uneven ground. So much of my life covered in red, ashy dust. No one lives there, but a very select few are permitted to visit. My husband is like Elon Musk, I guess, thrilled by the chase of, endless, of the endless potential he sees there. I resist his ambitious plans to see life in the land of ash, but deep down I know I was created to be loved, to be developed and known. It all feels so scary and unappealing, really, but I cannot deny the truth that refuses to be silenced in my spirit. My husband is merely the undeterred explorer and the mouthpiece of those truths. I'm thankful for such a determined, loving, and godly man who echoes kingdom truths and sees through his father's eyes. And so, in once desolate places, flags now fly. This is what I talked about earlier before service. Flags now fly, proclaiming truths planted and rooted in permanence. They are immovable by circumstance and once planted begin to change the atmosphere of my heart, which in turn affects every part of my world. Some of the first flags planted came after a summer of two miscarriages. God is good and God is faithful. I took hold of these truths and I planted them in my heart in the midst of my heartbreak. He is never the author of death and destruction. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. My heart believed these truths and the flags fly proclaiming it daily, grounding me when darkness surrounds. More recently, another truth has been established and hope grows in its shade. God is working. Thank you, Lord. God is working. Thank you, Lord. This flag of truth flaps wildly in the hurricane winds that threaten to tear me to bits. I see my knuckles white in their determined grip, holding on to this truth as my flesh and my mind scream for rescue from the unrelenting storm. This land of tears and ash will bloom because God is able. Hallelujah. God is faithful. Thank you, Lord. God is good. Thank you, and Lord. God is working in Hallelujah. my life. Thank you, Lord. No power in heaven or on earth can change the beautiful and victorious nature of the Lord God. The ashy, barren brokenness of my heart is entirely his. He is transforming the landscape bit by bit, establishing immovable markers of truth and love, his very nature in my inmost being. Thank you, Lord. Psalm 84 Verse 6 says, when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. Thank you, Lord. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. Thank you, Lord. He takes what is barren mm. and he makes it bloom. Hallelujah. And fruit comes forth from the vine with ease. Mm. There is no striving in it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, Thank you. I pray this morning as we come to the table of communion. Father, that our hearts are open to you, Lord Jesus. We look to you, Father, for your truth. Father, let it be planted immovable in our hearts this morning. 
Father, where there is doubt, I call forth the truth of your word. Father, let your Holy Spirit do your work. Have your way in every heart this morning. Thank you, Lord. In every heart this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we come to the tables this morning, you know, we're going to take, we're gonna, you're going to come in a minute. We're going to get up and go to the tables and get the elements. There are two cups, um, cracker in the bottom, juice on top, so you just have to grab one thing. And then you're going to hold on to it and go back to your seat. Um, and we're going to take communion together. And when we come back up here, you know, we always have this time to just be, to just be. And I encourage you, just close your eyes and just press in to hear what he has to speak to you this morning. Because as we partake of the cracker and the juice, it's symbolic, you see, of the body and the blood of Jesus. And as we take that moment to just be in his presence, you're really just inviting him in again and again and again. Every week, every week you see us come up here. That's what I'm doing. Oh, Lord, where have I locked you out this week? Where is the striving? Where is the struggle? Come, come, Lord Jesus. Come, King Jesus. Did you have something? After we get the all right, so we're going to just release you now. Wherever you're closest to, um, if you're in the back here, you can head down the center aisle and, and get your elements and then circle around. If you're up front here, you can come down these two side aisles, uh, get your elements, and then circle back around to your seat. And then we'll come back up again, um, and we'll take communion together. Thank you, Lord. In our Bible reading this week, if you're following along with us, we're reading through Leviticus. And man, it's a bunch of laws and rules and things to follow. And there's a whole chapter after chapter. It begins talking about when we sin, or when the Israelites sinned in the Old Testament, before the New Covenant, the things they had to go do and the sacrifices they had to make, and all this list of things they had to go do. And I just read it, and I was like, man, holy cow. Like, that would be, literally, I mean, that would be like constantly. We would just be in this, in this mode of just repenting for our sins. And he just reminded me, it's like, that's only part of the book, Jason. <laughs> it's only part of the story. See, God's plan for redemption of mankind started here, but then it goes all the way to the end of the book. And he reminded me in Romans chapter 8. And it says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Thank you, Jesus. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh 
that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And it was just all I could say. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. And we invite him in this morning. We invite him in again this morning. Every day, every hour, we invite him in. Just take a moment as we talked about, just close your eyes and just invite him into your life in every area, in every aspect. Thank you, Lord. And the word says when he enters into dark places, he brings the light. For he is the light. And this morning we opened with that comment, don't doubt in the darkness what he has told you in the light. So I believe even now the Lord is ministering. He is ministering to people in here and online. Don't be in doubt, but stand on the truth of his word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for sending your son. And Jesus, we thank you for making that sacrifice. We thank you for showing us love, unconditional, agape love. Nothing we can earn, nothing we can strive for, but only something we have to receive. So Father, we receive your love, and we thank you. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we lay down at your feet every concern, every worry, every fear, every sin. And we repent this morning. We turn away from those things and we say, Lord, forgive us. And you say loud and clear, you are forgiven, my son. You are forgiven, my daughter. For I already paid the price. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke and he said, Take, eat. This is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let us partake. Lord, we thank you this morning. Lord, we know you are working, you are moving. You are powerful. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you in all that you're doing. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to continue to worship.
The altar is open up here this morning. If you've got business to do with the Lord, just come up and do it. No one's going to bother you or bug you. It's just a great opportunity to just get before him, get on your knees, come to the altar, and just thank him for what he's done for you. Thank you, Lord. What a sweet presence in here this morning. I'm reminded of a story that I just read recently where Smith Wigglesworth went into a room to minister to someone who was very, very sick. And they gathered around. There were six of them or maybe seven. I don't remember the number. And they just began to say the word, Jesus. Just Jesus. They weren't screaming it out. They weren't yelling it at the top of their lungs. They were just saying Jesus. And I have a sense this morning that we should just say the word Jesus for a minute. We don't have to yell it out. We don't have to scream it. The Bible says there's power in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's restoration in the name of Jesus. There's reconciliation in the name of Jesus. And whenever you walked in here desiring from the Lord this morning, I believe that as we say the name Jesus, if you would just open your heart and receive what He has for you, you will receive today in Jesus' name. So just begin to say His name. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, 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 thank you, Jesus, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, 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 thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As we were coming up here, I thought to myself, he is the good news. Mm. Who he is, what he does, that's just extra. Oh. Who he is is the good news. And there's so many stories in the Bible of people flocking to Jesus in need. He didn't resent them or despise them or anything. He loved them. So much compassion. Compassion always precedes the miraculous. Oh. Out of all those people coming to him, I need you. My servant is dying. I need you. My son is dying. My daughter is dying. I need you. I want to be, I want to be the one who comes and just sits at his feet. Because there, when I just, the word for this year is abide. Mm -hmm. When I can just get out of my own head and, and, and put the brakes on my own life, my own, all how important I am, how busy I am, and all the things. When I make that space to just be. He whispers things to me that turn 
everything around. He whispers to me the simplest of things. And everything changes. Thank you, Jesus. I want to close out this time of worship with just a scripture out of Isaiah 58. It says, The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. And you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Father, we thank you for what you do. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are good news. And we worship you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. If this is your first time here, we'd like to welcome you. Um, It's just a great pleasure when we get to worship the Lord together. And so if this is your first time, we are thrilled to have you. Um, On the back of every seat, there's a little connection card. That's a place where you can um, tell us that you were here. Um, And you can put as much information on there as you're comfortable with. But we just like to know the names of the people who were here. So if you're new here, I encourage you just to fill that out as much as you want. It's also a place um, for all of us to put prayer prayer requests and praise reports, um, testimonies. um, And those are important. I mean, that's what binds us together. When, when I get an email, hey, this person needs prayer or that person needs prayer, it binds my life to their life. And I get to participate in lifting them up. And they never even know. You know, you don't know who's praying for you. Um, but we're praying for each other. We're lifting each other up. Um, so that's a place to do that. Now, those cards, they go in the offering buckets, which we do not pass. The offering buckets will be, there will be two of them up here on the steps. Um, so also during this time of greeting and this break, that's where you bring your offering if you have one. And the connection card can go there as well. Um, uh, this is the time. If you are an ECF kid, you know the drill. Kid Corner is over in this direction, and I will be there. Um, kids, you know your bags. You can go grab them. If you're a guest and have children, you're going to want to head that way, and um, we can chat, and I have stuff for the kids to, to help them enjoy the rest of the service. And is that all? Offering connection cards, Kid Corner. Uh, all right, let's greet one another and encourage one another. church family. Sorry I took a while this morning. I was visiting and ministering and encouraging and talking and being encouraged. So um, a couple of announcements this morning. Our Erie City Mission Soap Drive is in progress. Um, I have a bag of soap down there on my seat. I'm not, I don't need to hold it up. Well, maybe I do. Oh, it's called Roma Soap. It is a uh, laundry soap that we are collecting to give to the Erie City Mission. Um, Thank you, honey. All right. Uh, This is what it looks like. You can purchase it at Walmart if you want to participate. There is a table in the lobby uh, to collect your soap. Um, You can also drop it off at the Rose Center, which is the white farmhouse up here where our offices are. Anytime during the week, we don't have to be there. You can just leave it on the porch. Um, And I think our goal is 50 bags um, of soap per month. So we'll keep you updated for as long as we're going to do this. If you just, if you don't, if you're not interested in going to Walmart, which really, who enjoys that, um, and you want to participate, you can um, 
participate just by giving in your offering envelope um, and just label it SOAP or City Mission, and we'll know what that means. And um, we have some, our coordinators will go out and they're purchasing the SOAP. They are uh, coordinating with the City Mission and it's gonna be a great thing. This is their greatest need right now. It's not flashy. You know, it's not exciting, but it's necessary, and we're excited to partner with them in meeting that need. All right, worship and prayer uh, is happening this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Um, this is just a really intimate gathering, although, hey, the more the merrier. So come and pray and worship. Um, this is a time really just to be in his presence um, and enjoy the presence of the Lord. So that's Wednesday at 6.30 Um Kingdom financial training. So I don't know a whole lot about this. Ah, I love when there's a slide and it helps me do my announcement. Um, It's it's happening Saturday, March 27th. It is from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. here. Is it here? It's up in the Rose Center. Again, white farmhouse. Um, There's a really beautiful room up there. Um, And this is Seven Steps to Financial Liberty. It's a seminar uh, given by Kingdom Financial. Uh, to uh, educate about our finances. I think this is really important. I'm actually looking forward to it. Actually, I love the way we do finances. It's always very exciting when you walk in faith and you like to shop and you have a big family. I mean, it's always very exciting. Um, so I think that this is, is going to be really good, and I think Jason's going to make me go. So, <laughs> so I make better decisions. Um, uh, so how to register in the lobby. There is a sign-up sheet actually on the soap table. You know, it's the only table set up out there. But there is a sign-up sheet, and there is a limit. What's the limit? 40 people. So the limit is 40 people. So if this is something that you're interested in, you're definitely going to want to sign up for it. And Jason, honey, is there a cost per couple? Okay. Uh, Is a $10 suggested donation per couple? Because I believe there is a workbook, a financial workbook that's involved. Um, So that is the cost. That's how to sign up. Pray about it. Um, and definitely think about taking advantage of that. And then the last thing is that Jeremy Gall is coming, and that's next Sunday already. Next Sunday is March 7th. I just can't get over how time goes by so quickly. So I'm excited. Um, Every week during my announcement time, I say, Jeremy Gall, it's just like an infusion of faith, and we all need it. So don't miss miss next Sunday, because the Galls are just they're phenomenal people. So he'll be here next Sunday. That's what I have. Amen. <laughs> Amen. She's looking forward to it. Yeah. So are we, of course. Um, all right. I want to pray over our tithes and offerings and just pray, you know, for the message here. Um, and the Lord just, he is working. He is good. Uh, the scripture I have for offering here is out of Exodus 36. Verse 5, I absolutely love this. Um, and this, this is, you know, someday, you know, maybe this is where we all get to. And they spoke to Moses saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. Amen? We are standing on that. More than enough for the church. More than enough in our personal finances. God is faithful. Cups overflowing. Amen? That's our prayer. Uh, and that's, our, that's what we want to see uh, day in and day out because he is so faithful to us. Uh, and before, before I pray over the offering, uh, I also want to lift up our country in prayer. Can we do that for a minute? Uh, you know, there's stuff going on. And I'm not going to get into a political speech, and I'm not going to uh, say a whole lot about it. 
Uh, but I want us to pray as a country over, you know, this Equality Act uh, that is, I guess, past the House is, is at the Senate. Uh, and I don't know, I don't think it'll pass the Senate, but whatever. Again, I'm not a political person. Uh, but there's things in it that are, I think, make me a little nervous uh, and is a little bit scary. And I just think as a country, we just need to pray. As Christians, we need to pray. Uh, and we just need to pray. And this, the scripture that came up to me uh, was out of Psalm 33. And it's part of our reading again this week. I love how the Lord does this. Uh, verse, uh, verse 10, Psalm 33, verse 10 says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The counsel of the Lord, not of our U.S. government, but the counsel of the Lord is what stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. So I just want to pray for our country. I believe this, this is, we believe that God is the Lord of this country. And I believe we just need to pray that this morning and come out on Wednesday nights. It's not a one-time prayer. This is a consistent prayer that we are crying out to the Lord. So we're going to pray over offering the message, and let's pray for our country. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning. Lord, we thank you for every gift, every giver. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are more than enough in our finances and in every area of our life. And we give you thanks for that, Lord. We give you thanks for that. Father, we just come to you as a church, Erie Christian Fellowship Church, for our country this morning. Father, we just ask, Lord, you love all people, and we know that, and we do as well, Lord. And Father, we just ask you now, in Jesus' name, Lord, that we would be the light unto this world, that we would be a light unto this country, Father God. Father, that we know you, and we will serve you, Lord, and that your counsel is what stands forever. Your heart and your plans for all generations is what will stand forever. So, Father, we stand on your word. We stand on your promises, not on any law, Father God, but on your promises, on your word. And, Father, we just lift up our government to you, the leaders, Father God, to you, the voting that happens, Father, not just for this, but for the many things that are before uh, our government, Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, that we can continue to worship you in freedom and in truth, no matter what the situation is. We can always worship you in freedom and in truth. And we thank you for these things and bless this message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I was going to go on and on about that, but I'm not going to. Uh, we're just going to get into the word of God this morning. I just think that's a better place where we just need to park ourselves, amen? We've got to park ourselves right there. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. It is my goal to finish chapter 2 today. Uh, we have been working through the book of 1 John over the, well, since the beginning of the year. And really the whole book is about abiding. Really the whole book is about abiding, about God's love, abiding in his love, abiding in Jesus. And it's really been our theme. It was the theme of our fast at the beginning of the year. It's really been our theme. And my goal here, I know we're going to be leading up to Easter. We got Jeremy Gall next week. But my goal is to at least finish chapter 2. That's my goal today. And where we left off last week is starting in verse 22. So 1 John 2, we're going to start it actually in verse 22 uh, this morning. And before I read that, uh, before I read that, it's interesting. Actually, Tim, leave that up. Believe it or not, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. This is the verse preceding. This is where we left off last week. I think it's important. I just want to read it to you real quick. It says, little children, in that last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist, big A, Antichrist is coming, 
even now many antichrists, little a, have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Can you go to verse 19? Maybe not. It's okay. I can, I can read verse 19 uh, for us if I can see this. It uh, says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have been continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. Then verse 20 was this. But you, you have an anointing from the Holy One. You, us, those who have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Because of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, you can know all things. And we talked last week is, you can't say, I don't know anymore. You can't say, I don't know anymore. If you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you, you can say, I don't know the answer yet. God has not revealed the answer to me yet. But to make a declarative statement that says, I don't know, is not biblical. It's not biblical. And so you know how many times I was tempted to say, or I actually did say the phrase, I don't know this week? Uh, quite a few, right? How many, and I guess when we realize it, when, you know, I think the message last week was good for me. I don't know about you, but it was good for me. So, you know, I was preaching to myself last week. But when you begin, when you say it, and then it resonated with me, and then I heard myself saying it. Well, I'm, I don't know. And that would be the end of my sentence. Well, I don't know. Well, if we keep declaring that we don't know, eventually we don't know. Right? I mean, you, we begin to have what we say. And so there's power. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And you are speaking death. You're speaking that you don't know. It's a declarative statement that you don't know. And so what we talked about last week is that, no, we can know. We absolutely can know. It says, but you have the anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. And then verse 21 says this, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. You know the truth, and that there is no lie is of the truth. And what I want us to recognize, too, that that just means that the Holy Spirit on the inside know us, but it also means we can recognize that big A Antichrist and the little A Antichrist in the preceding verses before it. So we must put these things into context. It also means that. So verse 22 says this. It's going to begin to define what an antichrist is. Because I think we hear the word a lot. It gets out there a lot. We, you know, we, we look at people in other countries. And it's got to come somewhere from the Middle East. And it has to come from this location. I wonder if it's this one. I wonder if it's that one. But look at this. It says verse 22. 1 John 2 verse 22. Who is a liar... But he who denies Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. Real clear. Antichrist denies Jesus. Denies Jesus is who he says he is, does what he says he will do, and denies that he is in fact 100% God and 100% man. Yes, at the same time. And I believe I wanted, to, I wanted to walk through some scriptures with you so for you to understand that. Verse 23 says this, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. So what, what does this mean? He who denies Jesus. Is it that they deny he was a good person? Well, not really. Is it that they deny he was a prophet? Well, not really. What they're saying is that they're denying that Jesus is in fact God. That anyone who says that is actually is believing a lie. One of the statements on our website is this. 
you know, we have the belief section. You know, you have like these sections on your website and there's this belief section. And we actually talked about that maybe I do a series like one time just for like a couple weeks of our belief statements. Because you sit here in this church and you sit under this teaching and you hear this teaching, but do you really believe and do you really understand and know what we believe? Because it's important to know where you stand on certain things. It says, we believe in the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his virgin birth, in his sinless life, in his miracles, in his atoning death through his shed blood, in his bodily resurrection, in his ascension to the right hand of the Father, and in his personal return in power and in glory. This is what we believe. So what does all that mean, Pastor Jesus? What are you talking about? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what I'm talking about. And that he's the second person of the Trinity, and on earth Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. He's the only man to ever have lived a sinless life. He was born of a virgin, and he lived an absolute sinless life. Not possible for you and me, really. Performed miracles, died on the cross, atoned for our sins through the shedding of his blood, rose from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, and again will return in glory and to set up his kingdom. That's who we believe, that's what we believe as a church, who Jesus Christ is. I have some scriptures I want to talk to you about here, and then we're going to get into the rest of the message here. John 1 1 says this In the beginning, was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Bible referenced over and over that Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So what this is saying is Jesus has been here forever. He's been here since the beginning. From the very beginning, Jesus was there. Then it says in John 1.14, and just listen to me if we, if we don't have him up there, I know they're working on it back there. But John 1.14 says this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory and the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we have to understand that Jesus was 100% God from the beginning of time. And when he came down... As a baby, born to a virgin, he was 100% man at the same time. And he lived and walked on this earth as both 100% man, 100% God. And do you know that as Jesus took that fleshly form, as he became a baby and grew up into a man, that Jesus now in heaven, as he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, is still in a form that we would recognize? He didn't just like come down then just to be a man for a little bit and then go back and just be only God and not man. He is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And so when he returns, he will return in a form that we recognize and we see and it's Jesus coming down from heaven. We will recognize him, fully God, fully man. 1 Timothy 3 says this, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Fully God, fully man. And we need to be careful with any 
really religion or any, any words that believe that, that he is not fully God and fully man. Philippians 2.5 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Fully God. And then 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, And there is one God under the mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Fully man. Then the last scripture I want to, I'm not doing a theological thing on Jesus here in our beliefs. I just want us to understand that it's these things. If you don't believe these things is what that previous scripture is saying. But we have the opportunity and the ability to discern that and to see that because of the Holy Spirit on the one on the inside of us. And the takeaway here really is if you're concerned about being deceived, if you're concerned about not knowing these end times and understanding what's Antichrist and what's this, what's that, then you need to get to know Jesus better. Because as I said last week, as, you, as they, 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 uh, those who study, you can figure out a counterfeit dollar bill. You know how they do that, how they train those people? Not by looking at every possible counterfeit potential. They do it by studying the real thing. They do it by knowing what the real thing looks like, what the real thing feels like, what the real thing just in your fingers, in your touch, what you can actually handle and believe. And so when you see something that's not that, it's recognizable. And so we as a church and you as a, we have this, as a people need to be so in tune with Jesus, have such a relationship with Jesus that we know him so well that anything else that would try to set itself up against Jesus, we would know it in a heartbeat. We would know it in a, in a second. I know all things. The Bible says I can know all things. But we have to study the real thing. We have to know the real thing. Revelation 1, 7 and 8 says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. Oh, we're going to see him, guys. We're going to see him. I'm not saying the rapture and all the tribulation is all going to happen in our time. I don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but every one of us is going to see him. We're going to stand before him. Behold, he is coming with clouds. Every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. The Bible says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen? This is the good news, church. This is the good news of the gospel. Who he is, is what you said earlier. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus is real. That he did what he said he did. The Bible is true. He actually did these things. And he is now at the right hand of the Father. And this is why we pray in Jesus' name. Because he's up there. You understand he became fully man so that he could understand what you and I are faced with? He's gone through everything you've gone through. Every challenge that you have. You say, well, he wasn't married. Man, does he understand relationships? That's right. Everything. We talk with Annie, it's just like we can have a conversation with Jesus. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you. We actually can, yet we go day in and day out without having this conversation with this loving Savior who came, who is real, who wants a relationship with us.
This is good news, church. So in, the, in my career, you know, from a leadership perspective, I would have what I would call one-on-ones. Anybody here have like a one-on-one? Where a manager and then the person that works for that manager has a sit-down and they have a discussion. It's called a one-on-one. I mean, it's, I mean, it's called other things, but I called it a one-on-one. And I would meet with people and we'd have a one-on-one conversation and we would talk back and forth. And it was a two-way conversation. And they would share how they're feeling and the, and the challenges that they have. And I would share back with them. And it was like this relationship. And the more we had these one-on-ones, the tighter the relationship became. The more input that that person would receive from me in their life. And I begin to think about having one-on-ones with Jesus. Can we have some one-on-ones with Jesus this week? Can we just set aside everything else and be like, you know what? I'm scheduling a one-on-one with Jesus. I'm putting this thing in my calendar, in my Google calendar, in my Outlook calendar, and every other calendar that I have that tries to tell me what to do when I'm supposed to do it. I'm going to schedule a one-on-one with Jesus. Because you guys need to know, you can be honest with him. You can be real with him. You don't have to go to him continuously and grovel, like we said this morning, for, oh, grovel for this and for that. He, wants to, he knows how you're feeling anyway. So just tell him, it's actually, it's actually therapeutic in some ways. Just say it. Jesus, I'm feeling this way. I'm sensing this. I need help with this. I can't do this anymore. And he understands because he was 100% man. But you see, he can do something about it because he's 100% God. You see what see that there? So he is 100% God and man, but it's because he, gets to, he now has power to do something with it. And he's got the power that's in his name, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he's at the right hand of the Father, and guess what? He's whispering over to Father God saying, hey, one of my peeps, I just had a one-on-one with him. And let me tell you what they're struggling with. And let's start making some stuff happen. You know, when we pray, we don't change God. When we pray, we begin to change ourselves. And God is asking, prayer is a very interesting thing. We should do like a series on prayer. Prayer is an interesting thing. It really, it moves the heart of God when we pray the word of God back to him. And so prayer is so important. And he hears our prayers. And he promises to be with us. He promises never to leave us and never to forsake us. Bring your issue and your concern to him this week. Whatever it is. Have a one-on-one with Jesus this week. Can we do that? Verse 24 says this. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If that you heard from the beginning, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Here's back to this word abide. Just being in his presence. Being in his presence. These one-on-ones with Jesus is being in his presence. Abide in the word. We need to be abiding in this word. We need to soak it in. I believe Don, Uncle Don did a, a message on this, I believe, last Sunday night. 
And I was thinking about this word and what do we do with this word as we read through it, we write it down, we pray on it, we work it out, we pass it on, we study it, we memorize it, we meditate on it, we share it. There's so much power in this word. So much power in this word. You say, oh, I can't conceptualize Jesus. I don't know what it's like to do a one-on-one with him. I don't understand what you're saying. Let's get in here. Let's get in here. Because what we read earlier is what Jesus is the word. Is he not? He is the word. He was the word from the beginning. Which means if he is the word, when we get into this, we're actually here with Jesus. We are abiding with Jesus when we're in the word of God. And I absolutely love the word of God because I can read the same scripture a hundred times and the Lord speaks a hundred different truths to us. Read the scripture over and over and then you read it one day, you're like, whoa, what? Because it's alive, it's living, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Next verse down says this, and this is the promise that he had promised us, eternal life. Eternal life. What a wonderful promise. Our hope, we talked about this last week, our hope needs to be rooted in his kingdom. Verse 26 says this, back to 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. This is like, this is like wrapping up the scriptures we've already looked at. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. The anointing abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. Uh-oh. Am I out of a job? Yeah? <laughs> okay, this is not saying that the five-fold ministry has, you know, no longer has any value. But what this is saying is that if the anointing and the Holy Spirit abides on the inside of you and you are reading the word of God, he will reveal truth to you, everything that you need to know when you need to know it. You say, well, how is that true? Well, you think this is what church is all around the world? Right? I see the Lavin family like, yeah, uh, no. Yeah, no. Been around the world, been to Africa, been to Portugal. No, no. This is not what church looks like in the majority of the world. They don't have teachers up here teaching scriptures. No, they have to get into the word of God on a daily basis on their own and let the Holy Spirit lead them and guide them and witness to them. That is so important. Yet we don't see it as that important, even me included sometimes. There are parts of the world that they have to be so in tune with God, they need to know what bus to get on in the morning. Because one of those buses might end up blowing up. If you had to live your life like that, you would be so attuned to what God is saying. Well, guess what? We do need to live our life that way. Just because we're blessed to be in this country doesn't mean that we are not to be digging into his word and hearing his Holy Spirit and knowing that he can teach us and lead us in all things. Not wait till the next, you know, whomever, John Hagee sermon comes up. Well, I don't know what John Hagee's going to say this week. Can't wait till he posts his new podcast so I can hear from God. You don't have to wait for that. Don't have to wait for Sunday morning. Don't have to wait for it. It says it right there. You do not need anyone to teach you. Now, is it helpful that people teach? Absolutely. I'm not working myself out of a job. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true, 
and is not a lie, and just as it is taught to you, you will abide in him. Verse 28, I want to wrap it up with these scriptures here. Verse 28. And now, little children, part of his family, abide in him, that when he appears, listen to this, I want to focus on this just for a few minutes, that when he appears, we may have confidence. He's coming back. We're going to see him face to face. Whether when he comes back or whether we go up there, whatever it is, if he tarries until we pass, that we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. That if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. This gets back to being part of his family. Gets back to believing that Jesus is who he says he is, that he did what he said he did, and that if we believe in him, if we believe in him, we can walk through this life not being afraid of his return. Guys, we can walk through this life not being afraid of his return or the tribulation that will come or the challenges that we have in our life. We can be assured because we have him on the inside. We can abide in him so that we have confidence and that we do not have to be ashamed. You know, when we have a relationship with our kids and it's at a healthy place at the moment, right? Because we know that they move, relationship with kids move, especially little kids, they move around. When I have a healthy relationship with my kids, they're always asking me questions. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. I'm not, I'm, like, you think I'm, like, joking, like, how often the word, hey, Dad, comes up. I am not. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. And they're constant. They want to be close to me. They want my input. Dad, I want to just t tell you, I want to tell you what I'm doing. I have a question to ask you. And they want to have this relationship with their father. But you know what? You know how I know if they're in trouble? Ooh. Do we have kids? Where are they? I don't hear anything. As Tammy can attest to, this week in the office, I brought Maggie, little Maggie May. She's three. And I was in a meeting, and I was the sole responsible, I was solely responsible for Maggie. And I was in a meeting, and I heard Maggie doing this, doing that, and I kept my ear out, and Tammy and I were talking about finances or insurance or whatever we were talking about. And then it got quiet. And I started to say, hmm, I think I mentioned him. I was like, hmm, where's Maggie? I wonder. Found out she was chipping paint off in the hallway of the closet there. So there's just little pieces of paint that she was chipping off. And there was this whole pile of like paint chips on the ground here. And I walked out and I found her. I said, hey, Maggie, what you doing? She's like. <laughs> She's just staring at me like, hmm, what do you mean? What do you mean? What am I doing? No, I'm doing nothing. Oh, no, 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 no. I know you were up to something. You see, but in our relationship with God, he wants us to be, I, I enjoy when they're close. He wants us to have a relationship that's close with him. He wants us to be confident in our standing with him. He wants us to have that reconciliation and say, Lord, even though I was far from you, I'm returning. Even though I walked away, I'm returning. 
Even though I was three rooms away chipping paint off the wall, I'm coming back to the Father. And I believe that's the message this morning. We need to come back to him. Fully and completely come back to him. So we are not ashamed, but we are confident that when we see him, we will know that we are written in the book of life. And that he is a loving and caring father. Amen? Michael, you want to come back up here? So how can we be confident and not be ashamed? We have to invite him into our life. Invite him to every area of our life. He promises to be with us. You know, I ask myself this question, what is success? And I think we got a really poor definition of success in the United States of America. Really, probably globally. But we begin to look at success as how much money is in our bank account. We begin to look at success at the job that we have, or the business that we own, or the school that we got into, or the grades that are on my exams. And not that any of those are bad or wrong, but it's a really poor definition of success. And I believe that this is really what success is. is that ultimate success is knowing for sure that you're going to heaven. Ultimate success is saying, I can't do this on my own. It doesn't matter the position, the job that God's called me to, although that's a whole other message and is important as we walk through this life. But ultimate success is knowing, is this scripture right here, is that when we he appears, that we have confidence and that we are not ashamed at his coming. Ultimate success. And I think it's important that we, as people, need to know what he's going to ask us when we see him face to face. And I believe he's going to ask us a couple questions. And the first question he's going to ask us is, did you love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? Of course, we all can get better. It's all a journey. But he wants us to be close to him. He wants a relationship so deep with us. He's going to ask us how well we loved others, and of course we will have had successes and failures in that in our lives. But you know what? He's going to open up the book. He's going to open up that book of life. And those who have accepted him and invited him in, your name will be in the book. And so no matter what happened on this earth, no matter what we've done, no matter how we've failed, he paid the price for it all. Every sin, every fail, he paid the price. And he will welcome us in with open arms. What a wonderful picture 
of a loving, loving God. Bow your heads with me this morning. If you're here this morning, or maybe you're watching online, and you feel like you're three rooms away, The word of the Lord this morning is, is he's not as far away as you think he is. So if that's you this morning, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you feel like you're rooms and rooms away, and you're saying, today is the day I want to restore my relationship with my Lord and Savior, just slip your hand up this morning. Amen, I see your hand. Anyone else? Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Those who raise their hands up, we're just gonna, I'm going to pray for you. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for those hearts who are crying out that says, I just want to be near to you. That as they turn around, they'll realize that you were right there the whole time. And Father, that you would begin to penetrate their life with your light. That you will illuminate the darkness. Father, that you begin to transform their minds through your word. So, Father, those that raise their hands, they just receive you today. You are a good, good Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Honey, you want to share something? So I know I'm not the only one who grew up in a house where if it was quiet, it meant you were safe. Mm. If it was quiet and you were quiet, then you were really safe. (laughs) So coming to Jesus and having a conversation and telling him how I feel is not always, Mm. it, it hasn't been the most easiest thing for me to do because it requires that I trust him and I trust that he's not my earthly father that, you know, there's not going to be punishment if I don't say the right thing or feel, if I'm not feeling the right way. Um, And I know I'm not the only one. And that's the good news, right? Is that the love of the Father is perfect. And it's safe. Um, And so, you know, that journey in getting to know him, it changes everything. Um, if you raise your hand this morning, you know, I had my head bowed and my eyes closed like I was told. <laughs> but I want to just, okay, I won't hug you unless you want me to, but I, I need to know who you are. So after church, don't run away because we have something for you. Because this is like a journey and we are all, in, you know, we're all on the journey together. And um, it's like, I don't know, I've learned so much from him. Um, 
and I know that he's learned from me. Um, but how to know Jesus, right? I love your, you were like, you know, get in the word. And that has helped me to spend time in the gospels and really to picture him. And I do this a lot, you know. I don't, I don't ever picture the apostles as like these holy men who are nothing like me. I picture them just like me. You know what I mean? Like they were stinky fishermen, absolutely unqualified. I find it so interesting that Jesus came and didn't reveal himself to the scribes and the Pharisees. The men who had studied the scriptures for hundreds of years waiting for the Messiah missed him completely. <laughs> but it was the, the people, like regular people, that had eyes to see him. So um, this week, I had the opportunity to have real talk with Jesus. And I had this conversation. I was like, okay, Lord, you know, Jason's asking me for direction and what to do. And I'm afraid of giving him the wrong answer. Because if I, if I just pick what I think is the right thing to do, and it's the wrong thing, it's actually going to turn out really bad. And I don't know what to do. And almost immediately, he answered me. Mm. I didn't hear him audibly with my ears. But I mean, on the inside, immediately I heard one word. And I knew it was him because the thing he said to do was so not me. It's not something I would ever want to do <laughs> or ever think to do. And so it took some, it took some faith for me to believe he just answered me. And then it took some more faith to tell him what the Lord had said, because this thing, I knew he, hate, he did not like the thing. He wasn't going to like the answer. <clears throat> so it took some faith on his part to trust that I had heard the Lord correctly. And we both walked out in faith, and there was blessing upon blessing in that thing. Amen. This is the walk, guys. Amen. This is Jesus in real time, That's right. real people. It's always my I don't know prayers that he answers so That's right. quickly. That's right. The I need you prayer. Yeah. And he answers me so quickly. Amen. Um, Amen. And then the only other thing was, guys, you know, there's so much going on in the world out there <clears throat> that we're busy. And then, you know, our country's just in a place where it's just never been before. Mm. Um, and I think that there's a real lack of beauty. And I think that God is found mm. in beauty. I think that um, the beauty of his creation is a gift to us. Mm. And it was created for our joy to nourish us, to nourish our hearts. And in his creation, we see his glory. We see his majesty. And we see his greatness. And when we stand and we see beauty, whether it's just pausing for a minute out our back window and looking at our beautiful landscaping, or if it's... Um, if it's taking a minute to watch our kids interact when they're doing it really sweetly, mm. just looking for these moments of beauty in God's creation mm. and soaking them in because he's, he's, in, he's in that. Now, I'm not saying that God is in trees. He's not in trees. That's not where God lives. He lives in, he lives in me. He lives in you. But there's a real lack of beauty. So I'm telling you, feast on the beauty of God. Feel his yeah. glory. Feel that greatness and know that we are a part of that and that he takes great pleasure in us. Amen. That we were, we were created to be bearers of his glory. Amen. And, um, and 
then we can go to the word and we can see how much more he loves us and values us than all the glories of nature. Amen. We mean more to him than even that. Amen. So. Amen. You guys stand with me here as we close. Prayer team is going to uh, come up. We've got a couple of prayer teams up here that can pray with you, whatever your need might be, that will agree with you here in prayer. But as a wrap-up of the last two weeks, I want to remind you of a couple things. You have overcoming power. You have the ability to love. You have the anointing. You have access to everything you need to know for all situations. And you have confidence, and you will not be ashamed when you meet him face-to-face. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let me just read this benediction to you. At Ephesians 1, it says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, that what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Father, we thank you for your working, your moving. We thank you for all that you do for us. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. And we're looking forward to our one-on-ones with you this week. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. If you did raise your hand up, I'd like to see you up here. I have something for you.